Alright, good evening everyone. Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Jackson Senior High. Thank you. Um, so we've been going through a Will of God study, which I say every week is probably one of my favorite topical, practical studies in the Bible. Um, last week we looked at thankfulness, um, how important that is, how much it lacks in the world today, and uh, some practical ways that we can display that to God. Um, so tonight we're going to look at one that, as with all of these, they're equally important, um, but it's to obey authorities. Um, that's another one that I feel like is constantly under attack, under attack as we look around. Um, and we're going to look at a couple different structures on you know, how God has laid out authority structures in our lives, in the world, um, within society, within families. Um, and I feel like every single one, Satan's got an attack on each one. Um, so I hope you guys here with an open heart tonight, try and place yourself in these positions and find gaps, find, uh, deficiencies in your life. Because the cool thing about God is we're going to see, and we'll hit on them is he asks us to do things and he gave us everything. You know, I, pastor Steven shares that. I think the last like five weeks, he set it up here at some point, got Jesus gave us everything. The least we can do is give everything back. And he asks us to do certain things. Who are we to say no? But he doesn't just ask us to do things. He rewards us for doing these things. There's blessings that follow these things. Why wouldn't we jump in line and be like, yes, I'm going to do this? Not just because of the blessing, but because of how much we love Jesus Christ. And he is such a good father to us. He's such a good spouse. And we're going to look at the things tonight that when we obey authority, some of the promises that go along with that and the light and the testimony that we are to this world, again, that goes right in the face in a society that... Is constantly telling you guys, no, your parents have no right to tell you X, Y, and Z. The people above you have no right, and even politically, it's on both sides. You know, Satan's got a hand in the conservative side, and he's got a hand in the liberal side. Both sides can get fired up over polar opposite things, and both can be used to the devil. You've got to be very, very careful. So God's will tonight to obey authorities. Your key verse or set of verses is going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, it's on your sheet. Um, or if you like, you can turn there. Uh, it's going to be verses 13 through 15. It says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king <clears throat> as supreme, or unto governors as unto them <clears throat> excuse me, that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, there's our key, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I love, I mean, in three verses, that packs a punch. Can someone give me the context of what's going on here in 1 Peter? So submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. I know you guys, if you've been around our church for any amount of time, you've heard. <coughs> what's the context of this statement? What's going on at this time? Who's in rule right now? Who's the individual that's leading? It rhymes with hero, except he ain't a hero. He's more of a zero. Nero diabolical man, evil, evil man. I look in the White House today and I'm like, oh, it grinds my gears. Man, you put Nero in the White House? It's a whole different ballgame. You know, we, we complain and we rightfully, I mean, there's, there's just debauchery that's going on right now. Again, signs of the times. But good grief, with the persecution, what they were going through back then, if anybody had a right, and I'm not saying he had a right, but if anybody had a right to say, I'm sick of doing what they want me to do, it would have been Peter at this time. And I think it's no coincidence that God used Peter to write these things. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. It's basically saying, look, if I can do it at this time, you guys have no excuse to do it at any other time in history. 
Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. And an ordinance on your study sheet, it's a rule established by authority. Authority. Somebody over you. Somebody in power. Somebody in control. Somebody with rule. A permanent rule of action. An official decree or demand. A law, a decree, a rule. Somebody in authority has placed over you. Flip over to Romans chapter 13. you got a list of verses down there. We're just going to hit Romans 13. The rest can be your homework if you so choose. I recommend it. <clears throat> That's up to you. Romans 13. Can I have a reader for verses 1 and 2? <clears throat> Good grief. Emily. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the, pow- but of God, the powers that are... Ooh, that can be a tough verse to read, especially nowadays. You got a power over your life that it's hard for you to obey, that it's hard for you to follow. Understand that God put them there. And for me, that can be a comfort, but it can also be a conviction. Again, I'm, I'm going to try not to be political, but it's just, it, it is what it is right now. You know, I look at the White House and I'm like, I struggle with it, but you know, it gives me great peace. We're going to look at another verse later. He's not there on his own will. God's, God's working through this. It's, it's not like God woke up one day and he's like, dang it, the, the votes? How did he get the... Trump had him beat by like 10 million votes. Didn't take God by surprise. Joe Biden's there. God's in control. And for us to defy that office, for us to defy that rule is defying God. It's resisting the ordinance of God. And we're going to look at balances. Your second point's going to be around... You know, we're not there yet, but so everybody's head go down like, oh, we're there. No. But the second point is going to be talking about, you know, when it, when do we defy that authority? When do we say no to that authority? So don't think that I'm saying we, you know, we go to the White House or we go to any authority in our life and we bow to it. I get that. But any ordinance that does not violate the Bible, God calls us to obey that. And there's great blessing that comes with that. There's great power that comes to that. Look at the end of verse 2. And they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. And then also look at the, ver- the end of verse uh, 15 of 1 Peter chapter 2. For so is the will of God on your sheet that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I'm telling you, when you obey authority, when you especially, what's one of the biggest authorities outside of your parents in your life right now? Yeah, school, teachers. You will stick out like a sore thumb if you compliantly obey your teachers. If you talk to them with respect. If you do what they ask of you. If you ask questions with respect, if you try hard, if you, if you go in there with a good testimony, if you treat them, oh, I hate when I'm wearing these. If you treat them as the authority in your life in that moment, I'm telling you, you will put the silence, the foolishness of the ignorance of those people around you. You will stand out. You will look different. People will look at you and be like, the, the maturity of you will go to a whole new level. It will speak volumes. You will stand out and you will put the silence, the ignorance of foolish men. Why? Because God's spirit is ruling and reigning inside of you. Because you're doing things that goes against your flesh. Your flesh wants to say, no, I want to do what I want to do. It's not right that they're having me do this. This is stupid. This is a waste of time. When am I ever going to use this? It's not about the work. It's not about what you're learning, although it is. It's about the testimony. It's about your mission. You guys are called to so much more than to learn something in school. 
but you're learning your hard work, your engagement with the teacher, it's a testimony. It's your mission field. And I wish that was something I would have grasped before I was halfway through my senior year. I was a bonehead for three and a half years trying to see what I could get out of school. You go into school trying to see what you can get out of school, you're going to be very unfulfilled. You go into school seeing what you can give into it, how you can be a light, oh man, you'll, you'll have a very fulfilling life. Your life will be exciting. You'll wake up excited to go to school to see what God's going to do. But every ordinance of man, these verses, they can be very comforting, but they can be also convicting because the people that are in authority in your life right now are not there by accident from any level. Parents included, we'll touch on that as well. So the title of this evening's message is Obeying Authority, Authorities for the Lord's Sake. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's not obeying authorities to try and make them feel good. It's not obeying authorities to try and gain their favor. It's not obeying authorities to try and reap some benefit. It's for the Lord's sake. And sometimes that is the only way it's possible for you to obey an authority in your life. Especially when parents, when you're struggling and tensions get high. We talked about that a little bit, how sometimes we treat, well, oftentimes we treat people the worst that are within our households. We treat people the worst that are within the household of God. We take them for granted. A lot of times we need to obey them for the Lord's sake. Sometimes it's by faith, but I'm telling you, God's going to honor that. So point number one, proper order of following authority under God. And I want you to know there's this could have been a 12-week series in and of itself, looking at all of the different authority structures and how to dive into these. So you're getting, you're getting just a little bit. You could take this out and study it out. And I'm sure there's more ways you could break this down. Um, but proper authority of following, proper order of following authority under God. Your first point there is with our Lord. Flip over to Matthew chapter 12. Blank is Lord. Matthew chapter 12. <clears throat> this was a verse when I, or a, a passage when I read it in high school. I don't know, I'm weird. I like, I'm very analytical. I say that a lot, but I just like seeing the practicality of God. And this is one that's extremely practical. And it just, it, again, it shows how different Christianity is compared to every other religion out there. Every other religion, every other uh, idea out there wants to see what they can take, take, take. But look at the heart of Jesus here. Verse 1, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his, disi- through the corn and his disciples were in hunger. Though, I'm sorry, through the corn and his disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread? which was not lawful for him to eat. Showbread, we'll be talking about that. Neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So they got Jesus coming out doing doing work on the Sabbath day, and they're like, whoa, 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 we've got him. He can't be doing anything on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is like, hold on, look at what David did. He ate the showbread that was in, that was in the tabernacle, that was, that was in this, this holy place. And you're coming against me saying, I can't do work on the, on the Sabbath day? Check your hearts. 
You know, sometimes, and this is where I think of other religions, it's, it's about the power, it's about these traditions, it's about these rules. With God, it's about the heart. You obey with action, he wants none of it. He doesn't care. You're honoring the Sabbath day. You're, you know, it's like when he comes up to that man who's like, yeah, I've kept the law, I haven't lied, I haven't stolen, I haven't done da-da-da-da-da. He's like, all right, go sell all that you have and follow me. Ooh, can't do that. God wants your heart. He doesn't want some ritualistic behavior. Luke 16, 15 says, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Makes me think of what Tim was sharing on Sunday. There's a lot of Christians nowadays that will only do things when they're seen. They'll only do things when people are watching. And then they get bummed out when they don't get a thank you. They, don't get, bummed, they get bummed out when they don't get credit for it. Check your heart. When you do it, for this esteeming in front of men, it's abomination to God. It makes him want to vomit. It's like Cain bringing his, his cornucopia of vegetables and all oh, how beautiful this was. And he got Abel over there with that bloody sacrifice. He didn't care how he looked. Cain did. Which sacrifice are you bringing to God? He wants your heart. Broken heart, a contrite spirit. God doesn't despise that. It needs to be from the heart. Matthew 15, 8 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. Who's he talking about there? Matthew 15, 8. Religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees. He's saying, They draw nigh to me with their mouth. Man, what they say sounds good. And honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. I'll say it all the time. Talk is very cheap. We can talk and talk and talk and talk. But where's your heart? Does your heart really obey the Father? Flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. fountain right here let's go that'd be awesome no i got a cup it's just my well is running dry 15 verse 22 love this verse can i have someone read it lana and samuel said hath the lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I don't know why I love that phrase, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. And I, it, again, when you become a parent, you can really relate to this. Like the Lord is, is speaking to you. Again, he doesn't care about what you do, although he does. He cares about your heart. He cares about your obeying his voice, hearing his voice, processing his voice, and doing what he wants. And he's talking to Saul, and Saul was doing what he thought the Lord wanted. Although deep down, when you're doing stuff for God's sake, and you're really not, you know deep down you're not. And Saul knew he wasn't. And God rejected it. And again, Tim's message, I swear, just keeps coming up. And it's, help mine unbelief. Do you trust God enough to let him be the authority in your life? To let him call the shots? And what I mean by that is when you're doing something in your life and you're like, you know, I, sh- I know I should be doing this for God, but I think this is going to work out better. So I'm going to go down this route. I know I shouldn't be with this girl or this guy, but God, I know I can make this work. God, you can get so much glory from this. Oh, you don't trust God with your relationship, but you trust him with your eternity. What are things that 
that you are taking control away from God and you want to control. And a lot of times it can be with good motives and your flesh can deceive the crap out of you thinking that you're doing it for God. When if you really sit down and you offer it unto God and you prayerfully consider those things, he'll let you know very quickly. But a lot of times we're not willing to do that. You know, I've shared with you guys before, before I married Brant, well, before I proposed to her, leading up to it, you know, I prayed the death prayer. I've shared that before where I went to God and I said, God, I love this woman, but I want to make sure it's not my fleshly will. I want to make sure this is your will. Is this the person that you want me partnered with to go through ministry with, to go through life with? If it's not, I need you to shut it and I need you to make it easy because I'm getting pretty attached and you need to rip it out if it's not what you want. And by golly, God kept green light, green light, green light. If God's in it, it's going to be the best thing ever. Trust him to be the authority of your life. When you go into your life like that, I mean, again, it's that Job picture. Don't, we, we, we can always stand at the end of our life and look back and be like, wish I would have done that, 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 that. Well, yeah, when you see the end of it, it's a lot easier to make those decisions. That's why there's an element of faith to it. It was, the hardest, it was one of the hardest prayers I've ever prayed because I wanted it. And I wanted it with good motives, but I had to come to the point where I'm like, I don't want it if you're not in it, God. What in your life do you want so bad? You know, and I think 2 Corinthians 11.2 says, For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We have one main authority in our life. And all the other authorities trickle down from that. You ever think of that? Your authority structure in your life should really be a pyramid. It should all funnel up to God. From God, all your authority, and that, that's comforting to me. Because I know that no matter what authority is doing that structure, God's at the head. God's controlling it all. When one defies it, I go directly to God. And I'm like, all right, God, you need to take control of this. I don't fully see what's going on here. I'm struggling with, with this decree. I, I, I need to speak your truth here. I'm telling you, it's coming to America very quickly. I'm sure Clark could go on and on about Ireland and how difficult it is over there. He'd probably kill for some of the opportunities we have here. It's coming. But I think of it in a marriage relationship. You know, and I can't imagine... <clears throat> if Brandy submitted her life to another husband, if you will, or another man while she's married to me, how, how diabolical would that be? But man, we do that to God every single day. He's got authority in our life. He has bought the right to own us, to be our husband. He's a good husband. It's not like he's a, a, a taskmaster that's just trying to beat us down. He loves us. His yoke is easy. Why do we want to put some other burdensome authority over our lives. We have the greatest authority in this world. Authority that loves for us, that cares for us, that wants to see us be successful. Too often we commit adultery on him. We've been espoused to one husband. Submit to that husband. And that leads us into our next structure. Our next order is with our family. <clears throat> Flip over to Ephesians chapter 5. And I did the Lord first because everything hinges on that. You don't have the Lord right in your life. The rest of this, you might as well just turn your ears off. With or within our family. Ephesians 5, 
Chapter 22, we're going to touch on this. I'm not going to major on it. But verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church, again, there's the picture, is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You see how these structures, these authority structures are supposed to be beaming pictures to the world. My marriage is supposed to be a light picture to this world of how loving our Father is, and I bomb it. I mess up that picture. And how submissive we are supposed to be to that spouse. Brandy bombs it. Not as much as me, but we both bomb it. We mess that picture up. God has orchestrated a beautiful picture in that, and he's also orchestrated a beautiful picture, as we'll look at the next point within you guys as, as children with parents and us. But look down at verse 32. So he goes through the body and the, and the members and together as husband and wife. And then verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That is a lost trait nowadays. Marriages have become a laughing stock. People are choosing not even to get married or they choose to get married seven, eight, nine, ten times. It's a hobby. And it's taken the picture that God had orchestrated. That's why God hates divorce. Now, granted, we're humans. There's, you, you can study divorce out. But that's why he hates it so much, because it ruins that picture. Because his father has offered salvation through his son, and there's nothing we can do to lose that, to create that divorcement between him. And we're supposed to give that picture. And I share that with you guys so that when you, again, we, it's just senior high. It's, it's important. When you guys enter into those relationships, don't enter into them lightly. Your marriage, although it'll be fulfilling, it'll be exciting, and I hope it's all of those things. And it's, uh, it, it is, it's a blast. But it's, that's not why you get married. You get married to have someone help you in the mission that you could not serve God to the highest potential without them in your life, and that you paint that picture to the world of, look, this is what my relationship is. So that when people see your marriage, they look at that and say, wow, I want the God that they serve. Think about it. If we were out in our front yard just screaming at each other or treating each other like crap, is anybody going to want to look at us and say, yeah, I want the God that they have? No. And it goes the same thing with you guys. I mean, you can take that and mirror it to any relationship, how you treat your siblings and how you treat your parents, which is the next one, parents and children. Flip over to Exodus chapter 20. Tony, you guys are going to blink and you'll be walking down the aisle. Don't think it's so far away. Prepare yourself now for marriage. This is one of those promises, one of those blessings that we don't deserve by obeying our Father. Can somebody read verse 12? Carson. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth. Honor thy father and thy mother. Can someone explain to me what that means? You're like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Sure. Do things that will bring um, glory to your parents and make them proud of you. Okay. Do things that bring them glory. What else? Huh? Just obeying them. Obeying them? Yeah, that's part of it. What else? Sam? Give me respect and the reverence to 
Yeah, I like that. Giving respect and reverence. Respecting them. Attitude. Obeying them from the heart. Yeah. Yeah, being th- having a thankful heart. See, all these connect as well. Please go ahead, Jamie. Being an, amb- an ambassador for your family outside of your home as well, so that you are a reflection. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you honor them. You represent your family name outside. You bring a good, glorious name back to your family when you're out in the world. Putting high value on your parents, recognizing them for the authority that they are in your life recognizing them for what they do man i, I, I again i look back that's that's where studies like this can be hard because it, it causes me to look back and i'm like man why did i blow it but that's where god is very good and you know you can always go back and have those conversations and restore and i'm not always good at that especially with my parents because i too struggle with pride but how do you guys honor your parents you guys place a high value on them. Are you very thankful for the place that they play? At the end of the day, you're at this church right now hearing a message out of the Bible. You're doing something that the majority of this world never has the opportunity to do. You have a lot to honor your parents about. You have a lot to be thankful for. Your mom, your dad, or either one, if you only got one. Because you are here tonight. You've been placed in a situation to where your parents thought it good to get you here some form or fashion. Some of you guys, you're here, and, but they don't want you here. They, they're not here with you. They still allowed you to come. God has been very, very good to you guys. Honor your father and your mother. And then the practical things with this authority structure. It says that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And I think practically and in, in just spiritually so practically when you do what your parents have asked you to do when you obey them when you're not out till after midnight when you not drinking when you're not uh, hanging out with so-and-so when you're not doing these things you're just naturally going to be in better situations better circumstances that are going to naturally preserve your life 5 10 15 40 years down the road and spiritually again i mentioned this a couple weeks ago you obey your parents and you're a light to those kids in your school to the world around you when their student when the other kids are disrespecting their parents talk with an attitude to them telling their parents they're idiots they don't know what they're talking about and you're respecting them and you're convicting that student you know what it tells god this kid's got purpose this kid's got potential this kid's got a willing heart i mean i can do something with them and it creates that job-like situation where they're like all right now i can put you in some testing situations You're giving him reason to give you more. You're giving him reason to give you more breath. Constantly give God reason to give you more breath on this world. It's interesting, though. There's no, you know, God doesn't use extra words just to fill space. You know, he didn't, my Bible's got, I don't know. I'm just wasting time because I'm in the concordance. 2,000 pages in it. He didn't just use words just to hit 2,000 pages in Bobby's Bible up here. Every word of God is pure. He put that in there for a reason. And there's truths to that. Your days are going to be long. You're going to give God reason. And you're going to protect yourself by the simple obedience to your parents. Even when it's hard, God put them there for a reason. Do you trust God? Do you obey God as your authority? Well, then you will obey your parents. I'm not going to turn there, but Proverbs chapter 4. Who wrote Proverbs? Oh, good baby. Come on. 
Who? Solomon. All right, what do we know about Solomon? Okay, I can't hear that at all. What? What do we know about Solomon? Elliot, I saw you whispering to Jaden. What did you tell him? Very wise. Very wise. Get everything. Everything this world had to offer. If you want to see it, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 or something like that. He literally had everything this world had to offer. And then he wrote the book of Proverbs. And I love, again, homework. Read Proverbs chapter 4 tonight. We're not going to do it for time's sake. But I just took out some commands that Solomon puts in there. It says, Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father. He taught me also, talking about his father. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. I have taught thee. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. You have a man who tasted it all. You have a man who, man, if I could just have that much money, Solomon had it. Man, if I could just have that much glory, Solomon had it. Man, if I could just make a name for my, Solomon had it. Man, if I could just get here in my job, Solomon had it. Man, if I could just be with that girl, Solomon had it. Solomon literally had everything that's, that this world had to offer. I think I'd want to learn something from that man. In Proverbs 4, it talks about how important it was for the words of a father to come unto a son and say, whoa, whoa, watch, watch, watch. Listen to these. Get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. And Proverbs 4 is packed with it. But it's no coincidence that it's written as, you know, in the form of a parent to a child. Again, your parents are not in your lives by accident. They're the most... Closest thing you will get to that picture of Jesus Christ on this world. Don't ruin the picture of how we're supposed to be children unto God by marring that with a bad attitude, with disrespecting that authority, with not trusting the authority that God has placed in your life. But Proverbs is written by a man who had it all. I'd want to learn something from him. Mark thirteen twelve says, now the brother shall betray the brother to death. It's talking about these last times, the end times, parallel to Matthew 24. It says, And the father, the son, and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. It's a sick time. We live in a sick time. But I think it's interesting, the first mention here is it says, And the father, the son, and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. It's a breakdown in the family nowadays. You guys play a big part in that. It's easy for you guys to sit back and say, well, yeah, you don't know my mom. Or, yeah, you don't know my dad. You don't know what they do to me. You don't know what they say to me. You don't know what... I got news for you. According to the Bible, I feel for you. But look what Jesus Christ did for you. Jesus Christ, who can empathize you in any, any form, was faced with all like manner of temptation. Put yourself in his shoes, and it will become a lot easier to obey your parents. It will become a lot easier to swallow your pride and quit thinking that you're right in so many situations. Don't rise up against your parents. Be different. Don't be someone who fulfills this verse in the last times, in the last days. Be different. End that streak. If it's going on in your family, end it. Let it stop with you. And if it's not, go home and thank your parents. But regardless, you're called to honor them. You're called to obey them. And then our last bullet point under number one, with our society. With our society. Flip over to Matthew 22. This is another one of those, again, uh, weird nuggets that 
when I was going through discipleship at the right young age of 16, I loved. Gosh, that was almost half my life ago. That's crazy. I'm an old, old man. I know. What'd you say? You said it, not Oh, yeah, I know. Brandy's, Brandy's older than me, though. She test drives every year before I get to it. She's 11 months, so she'll turn 31 this month in October. So she lets me know how it is. Matthew 22, verse 15 says, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Boy, they never stop. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute under Caesar or not? Very interesting question here. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? So they're coming up to him basically saying, Look, we could give this money to Caesar, but wouldn't it make so much more sense for us to give it to you, Jesus? I mean, come on, you could use it more than them. Again, coming up to God, evading taxes to give unto the church. Yeah, sounds like a good idea, right? Makes sense. I mean, who in here thinks that God could use the money more than our government? I do, wholeheartedly. I think God would do a lot better than our government with our money. But watch what he says here. Verse 19, show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto him, who is the image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith unto him, then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. I love it. Jesus with the perfect answer every time because, well, he's God. And they marveled. They didn't expect it. Again, because that's what sets our religion, our relationship, if you will, apart from everything else. They expected him to say, well, yeah, you give it to me. We, we'll do something with it. Just like every other religion that you got to buy your salvation, you got to buy this, you got to burn all this, you got to give all this stuff. Jesus, he's like, no, you, you obey the civil structure that's in place. You obey the government. You obey the society. You give unto Caesar, which is another testimony that God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need it. Us giving our money, you know what it's a reflection of? What's it a reflection of? Our heart. It's a reflection of, you know what, God, I, I trust you. I don't need this. And giving it over to him. But within our society, so evading taxes, I got news for you, it's sin. I, just, I, like, I like that, though. It's just, it's cool that Jesus spends time to hit on that, to say, look, there's going to be things that you think, yeah, this makes sense to do for God. No. Why? Because what a horrible testimony we'd be to this world. You got a bunch of cheapskate Christians that aren't giving a dime to this government all in the name of God. I don't want anything to do with that, God. Screw that. No, Jesus is like, no, you give, unto, you give unto the government. And then you give unto me what's unto me from your heart. Be a cheerful giver. But that testimony, that's going to that's gonna speak volumes. And again, that cascades into your work, into your school, into your family. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Love these verses. Again, another blessing that goes with this, a blessing that we don't deserve by simply doing what God has called us to do. First Peter chapter five. <clears throat> Verse one. 
It says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, capital S, shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, okay, so he's going to an age structure here, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. A lot going on here. But he's calling you younger. I got news for you, you're younger. I like to think of myself as younger. But we're called to submit ourselves unto the elder. Again, a completely foreign concept nowadays. Completely foreign. And I like how it's paired with pride. Because what stops you from submitting to the elders? From submitting to people that are older than you? Any authority structure, but it's not specifying authority here. It's saying elder. Your pride. God resisteth the pride. He wants no part of that. It's thinking you're smarter. Thinking you know more. It's a death trap. Pride of life will kill you and it will stop you from fulfilling this. And look what's waiting for you. It says, humble yourselves in verse 6, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You wait. You you swallow your pride. You submit yourselves unto the elder. You be, again, a light in this dark, in this dark and dying world, and God will exalt you in due time. It might not be until the day you die. But who cares This life, again, is not our own. You have been bought. You've been purchased. We have no right to try and exalt ourselves in pride in this life right now. Quit trying because God's going to resist it. Then you're going to find yourself in a pit and you're not going to be willing to sacrifice that pride. And you're going to come to this book and you're going to be like, what the heck is going on in my life? And God's like, you ain't getting a dime right now until you get rid of your pride, until you humble yourself under my mighty hand, until you humble yourself under my authority. It's a dangerous place to be. It says that God destroys the house of the proud. You want to be the reason your house gets destroyed? You want to be the reason that your family gets destroyed because of your pride? Get rid of it now. Submit yourselves unto the elder. Again, it's just this societal structure. It's common respect that has been completely lost nowadays. Again, these little acts of obedience to elders in your life will make you stick out. They will speak volumes. But it starts within your heart. And then going along with, within our society, um, we don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 21.1, again, this is a verse that brings me great comfort. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Again, with whoever's sitting in the White House, with whoever's sitting in any place in authority, his heart, he's not there by accident, and his heart is being directed by God. There's nothing he does that's not enabled of God. Just like there's nothing Satan does that God does not allow him to do. Satan has to ask for permission, just like our president or future kings or whatever you want to call it until Christ returns. They're, they're being controlled by God. Let that bring great comfort to you when you have to submit to that authority that you're really not submitting to that human being. You're submitting to God. Not just because the Bible tells you to obey the authority in your lives, but because God's the actually the one that's in control of that authority. He's not the one making their decision, but he's guiding that heart. He's in control. And again, nothing takes God by surprise. 
All right, so point number two, last point. What if the authorities conflict with God's law? And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time here just as we're running out of time, but I think you guys know a lot of the answers. So we're just going to look at some examples. Flip over to Acts chapter 5. I want you guys to really be honest with yourself and put yourself in these, these situations. So if you're the disciples, you're the apostles here, and then if you're Daniel later. Now we're going to read, we're going to start in verse 25. Um, yeah, verse, well, we'll start in verse 22. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when he had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. We got them. Verse 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. So we're going to pause right there. You know, it's very easy to defy governmental ordinances, authority ordinances, in the name of God when it's convenient, when it, when it fits our agenda, when it makes sense. You know, especially with COVID right now, I've really had to check myself with pride on certain things because I'm like, you're not going to make me do it. I'm not going to do it. And deep down when I evaluate myself, yes, I have a right heart behind the things that, that I'm doing, but I need to make sure my pride doesn't step in. Try putting yourself in their position and defying the laws of this world or defying the laws of this government or this authority structure with such boldness to look them in the face and say, yeah, that Jesus you slew and hung on a tree, I ain't going to shut up about him. And they weren't being defiant. You know what they were doing? They were standing up for the God that they love, for their spouse. Think about it. If somebody badmouthed your parents, somebody badmouthed Brandy, I'd want to sock them in the face. And you'd, I'd like to think you'd want to defend your parents or somebody close to you. Why don't we do that with Jesus? When people are using his name in vain, they're throwing it around just like it's just any other word, just any empty word. Or they're telling you to shut up or that you can't talk like that or you can't bring your Bible score, you can't do this. Stand up. Have some stinking boldness. You know, obeying God and defying the authority that's in your life just in the name of God is not just saying, no, I ain't going to do that because the Bible doesn't tell me to. It's, no, I'm not going to do that because the Bible doesn't tell me to. Here's what I'm going to do instead. And following it up with action in the other direction. It's not just bowing out and hiding and saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going to obey that. Okay, well then what are you going to do for God? Look in verse 40. It says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, 
They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. Again, try and wrap your mind around this. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You know, that can be your testimony inside your school system. You can be excited to be persecuted for Jesus Christ, believe it or not. That's a life with purpose. That's a life that you can't wait to go in and preach Jesus Christ. Why? Because you know everything you're doing is affecting eternity. You know that the decisions that you're going to be making, you're going to be looking back on a million years from now, and you know what? You're going to look with pride, a good pride. We're, we're going to have regrets. There's no doubt about it. But, man, we can make decisions now that impact eternity. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Two things that are eternal, the Word of God and souls of men. You guys have an opportunity to reach souls of men that only you can reach. And a big part of that is how you obey authority within your school system. But if that authority conflicts with God's law, stand out and be different. And, it, and it's subtle, too, especially nowadays, because it's Satan's law that's subtly creeping in. They're not coming out and saying, you can't say these things, but they're coming out and saying, well, you have to accept this. Well, you have to accept this. It's very easy for us to go into school as Bible-believing Baptists and saying, well, yeah, homosexuality is wrong. Uh, I don't believe in transgender. Abortion's wrong. And, and going all down the list of our conservative values, but having no scripture to back it up, you're going to look like a moron. Know what you believe. So that when you do have to defy the authority that's in your life because of God's word, know where it's at in the Bible. Know exactly what you're doing and why, because if you don't, you're going to fold under pressure or you're going to make a mockery of the name of God. And then Daniel. Actually, I, I did have a point after the disciples. I want you to think, do we use, and this is so prevalent nowadays, do we use rules, mandates, guidelines, whatever, fill in the blank, as a cop-out with God to slacken our service? I want you to think in your life right now. And good luck using that defense at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, I know Pastor Stephen shared this. COVID has revealed a lot of the best in this youth group, but it's also revealed a lot of garbage in this youth group. And I say garbage not as a, you know, thumb on, on it, but it, it has, it exposes. Are you using guidelines and mandates and rules? Well, you can't do this for Jesus Christ. It's just a cop-out to say, well, I probably should be quiet then. Use it as motivation. These apostles, man, they were excited. They use it as motivation. Why? Because they were suffering just like their Savior. They counted that as a privilege. We need, we need to change our mindset a lot. These authorities, sometimes they can have way too much power over our heads. Again, are you thinking of that authority structure as God at the top flowing down through? And if somebody's telling you to defy that top authority, you stand on the word of God. You stand on what's right. And God will be honored. And so will you. You will walk away feeling fulfilled. It will be hard but man, again, you're, you're bringing glory to God's name. You're making an impact. You're affecting eternity. And then Daniel, we're not going to go to these verses. You guys are very familiar, but I just want you to think. Well, actually, let's go to Daniel 1. Daniel chapter 1, and then we'll end there. You talk about a man being thrust into a situation where the authorities have contradicted God's law. And man, did he handle it beautifully. We're going to jump down. Daniel chapter 1, we're going to just jump down to verse 8. 
one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Again, it's about the heart. But Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel refused to fill himself with the junk of this world. Even when it was law, even when it was, this is going to be your diet, he said, you know what, that's sin, I ain't doing that. And it wasn't a pride thing, it wasn't a holier than thou, it was, I'm not, I'm not defying my God like that. I don't want the king's meat, I don't want that wine, I don't want that crap that he's got. And look at verse 9 and 10, there was a high price. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse likening the, than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. You see, that's the world's perspective. They don't see it from God's perspective. They think if you're doing something outside of the logic that this world has, well, you're just a fool. Listen, you're not, what you're doing, it's not right. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. Look, going to that foreign country to serve your, look, selling everything and serving God, that doesn't make sense. It's not practical. It's not logical. This is the, the world's heart. And I really think this Prince of the Eunuch, he was, he was genuinely caring. He's like, look, he's going to see that you're withering away. Yeah, but this Prince of Eunuch, he didn't know Daniel's God. He didn't know our God. Look at verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the Prince of the Eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee. And the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consumed, so he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And what do you know? Verse fifteen. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink, and gave them pulse. Didn't make sense what they were asking to do, but they trusted God to handle it, and He took care of the rest. Didn't make sense, but God provided abundantly. And when you do things that don't make sense in the world's eyes, but make sense in the Bible's eyes, you'll be blessed abundantly. You will exceed those around you. Not for pride's sake, Daniel. Notice, he, tra- he kept it private from the king. It's not like once he was done, he stood up in front of the king and said, look, this crap you gave to them, look how much better our God was. It wasn't in his face. It was a heart issue. He purposed in his heart. This isn't about us going around trying to flaunt it in people's faces. It's a heart. God resisteth the proud. It's about humility. And then again, we're not going to go there, but in chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to an idol, and they count the cost. And then in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den. When they refused to petition to God, and he opens up his doors, and he says, God, I'm so going to honor you, and God supernaturally delivers him. So authorities, when they conflict with God's law, obey God, and you will come out on top greater and better than had you done if you would have just hidden a corner. I mean, what dignity to stand on and to make your God proud, to do him right like that, because he has given everything for you. He deserves your obedience, your submission. So in closing, do you have a final authority? Think to yourself personally, your final authority. What is the one authority? And I know the good Christian answer is, well, the Bible, yeah. What really in your life, what calls the shots? Who calls the shots? Who makes the decisions in your life? Matthew 4, 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of, the mouth, out of the mouth of God. Do you need God's word to survive? And I don't mean that like the, the 
church question of do you need God's word to survive? I mean, do you personally need God's word to survive? When you wake up, do you physically, spiritually, mentally need it? Do you have a yearning for it? Because if you don't, man, you need to examine yourself. This is bread. When I wander away from this, I'm telling you, my wife can feel it. My kids can feel it. When I go a day without reading, when I go a day without God steering this ship, I'm famished. I'm spiritually just tired. I don't want to do it. I don't want, and it doesn't take long. I mean, does it? When, you, when you're out of God's word, you get, you get very tired, very exhausted. Let this book rule and reign in your life. Psalm 138, 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving, kind, for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. This is God's number one right here. It's his son in book. He has magnified it above his name. He's magnified it above the glory of his name. He has magnified this book. You have God's most prized possession right here, his book, and it's been given to you. Does it have authority over your life? And I want you to think just practically too. So that's, that's the spiritual. Do you have a final authority? If you don't, you got to get one. And it's this book. And then lastly, you must obey earthly authorities if they do not violate God's law. Because if you can't, how on earth are you going to obey God? If you can't obey your father and your mother, if you can't obey your teachers, if you can't obey fill in the blank, how are you going to obey a God that you can't see? It's not going to work out. You can't fool yourself. Don't try and fool yourself. If you're trying to do that, stop right now, check yourself, and understand the authorities that God has placed in your life. But this has to be your final authority. This is where the instruction comes from. This is where the truth comes from. So do you have a final authority? How are you doing with authority structures in your life? God's got to be the number one, and it will cascade to every other facet of your life. All right, let's pray. Father, there's just so much here. It's hard doing this, feeling like there's so much being left out, feeling like we could go on and on, Lord. But I do pray that uh, the things that were talked about tonight, Lord, that they were what they needed to hear. Or what I know they're what I needed to hear as I studied this out, Father, and as you directed this message. So I pray that uh, these structures, Father, with uh, you as our Father, with, within our family, within uh, our civil society, Lord, that, uh, that it would make sense, God, that you would be our final authority and it would uh, cascade to every part of our life, within our homes. That, God, if there's students in here that are struggling with their parents, Lord, let this be the message that changes that. It causes them to go home and look at their parents differently, realizing that, that their parents are not there by accident. You did not make a mistake by putting them in that family. God, maybe they're the ones that, these students are the ones that you're using to soften the heart of their parents. It, who knows, Father? But I do know one thing. Your book is true. You've called us to honor our parents. You've called us to obey the authorities in our lives until they go against your book. I pray that you would give us great discernment to recognize when that happens, that we wouldn't use it for convenience sake, Lord, that we would really count the costs, that we would weigh the situation and recognize when that comes up, Lord. And Father, that we wouldn't hesitate when it comes to obeying you over the authorities in our lives. Lord, let us be a light and a testimony through obeying these wills in our life. God, let us be different and speak to this world. Let us be living testimonies, living epistles to all those around us. Pray for your hand over this ministry, over this church, Father, and continue to direct the leadership. Um, as Pastor Tom, uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just grip his heart as well. For all this in Jesus' name, amen.